Hello, and welcome back to Enterprise Linux Security, this time episode 43. And I'm joined, as always, by Zhao. And Zhao, they're stealing our data. What are we going to do about it? <laughs> you mean we're also hit by some hacker? Well, it's in like... general, you know, everyone seems like everyone's being, get, getting it. I hope no one, uh, you know, yeah. I hope not myself or anyone close to me. I, I wish none of this would happen. Then again, we wouldn't have a podcast. So it's kind of like <laughs> unusual and awkward that... The reason why we have this podcast is because, you know, shenanigans are happening, but then again, shenanigans are happening. So, yeah, we yeah. should get some loyalty points or something toward these companies just to, so that we keep track of all of this. Um, right. At this point, it's like the hackers are not even trying. They just randomly open the, the phone book or something, if anybody still remembers phone books, and pick a name and then go after that. Okay, this is the target of today. And... Yep. <laughs> By how easy it, this appears to be, they're not even trying that hard. Yeah, I mean, there's so many turnkey solutions available, you know, for these types of things. If you want to, you know, you, any particular goal, you could probably find something on the black market to allow you to do that. And I, I looked at this before we hit the record button. There's this book that I bought quite a long time ago, and I'm not going to recommend anyone buy it because it's over 10 years old and um, it's it's based on Python and Python is, you know, obviously went to Python 3. Um, so this book will not work. But the reason I, why I bring this book up, it's called Violent Python, which was a lot of fun back then because as long as you use it responsibly, it was great because it would teach you how to write scripts to, you know, in Python to capture packets and do all kinds of really cool things like that. And um, that was fun. But nowadays... There's less of that and more of uh, buy this thing and it'll let you do the thing that you're wanting to do, which is really not all that exciting. So someone ends up all over the news or, you know, more likely in jail. And I mean, what'd you get in here in the jail for? Oh, I bought this thing on the black market that let, let me leak uh, game footage. What? <laughs> How's that conversation in jail going to go? Anyway, what we're talking about is the fact that there's several um, breaches, or I should say cybersecurity events that happened here. So we're going to try to give a general opinion about these. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, Rockstar, Uber, and now 2K Games. Okay. It's like three got three at least. Yeah, <laughs> it's like they're not even trying. But getting back to the tool side of this, right. a few years back, there were there was this clear distinction between the, the script kiddies who would just try to look up uh, online tools and whatever they could get their hands on and then just try it against as many targets as possible. Whenever they managed to get into a system, more likely than not, they'd be very happy that they got in. They had no idea what to do next, so they just disconnected and move on. There was no real intent there. Um, and then there was the other class, the people that actually wrote the tools, the ones that were actually doing hacking for profit or for espionage or whatever. And those were the real threat. And the distinction was pretty clear. Today, there is this economy around the, this black market for hacking, hacking as a service, and where you have support portals like we talked a couple of episodes back on the dark web, and then people managed to reverse the, their location. And you have access brokers that just get the initial access and then sell the credentials to a different actor. And then you have information gatherers and you have people just doing SIM swapping. Yeah. The rules have been very segregated. And 
at this point, you can just go into one of these forums around hacking, and there are quite a few of them, unfortunately, and just look at what's available on the shelf and just, okay, now I need this, this, and this. And you have no actual idea of what the tool will do or what goes behind it or the risks that you're even exposed to while using it. Right. And you just find that, okay, now I'm going after NVIDIA or Microsoft or whatever. And the really weird thing is that Many times they succeed. Right. The breaches this week. The, the breaches this week. They are not exceptionally different from the ones we reported around Nvidia or Microsoft, where they they just got um, some some employee credential and then access through their systems and got access to internal systems. Um, it's basically the same thing, and we're just seeing this on repeat. And companies are still doing the same mistakes and still falling for the same schemes and. People just don't, they are still falling for two-factor authentication. <laughs> and right. they're not moving this to a more secure way of doing two-form authenticator um, like hardware, like the Fido keys that you talked about on different videos as well. There are many ways you can approach this, but just doing the same thing all over and over again, and we'll keep talking about the breaches all over and over again because as long as the, the defenses don't change, the attackers don't have any reason to change. And, and it, there's this, you know, there's always been a relationship between the security industry and threat actors, obviously, because there would be no security industry without threat actors. But, you know, at first it's, you know, it started out very tame because, well, back then we didn't think so. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, when I first started, malware was basically created to destroy, you know, it was created to inconvenience people, you know, destroy their MP3 collection or maybe infect the MP3 collection that they would then share with other people. Um, you know, there's a, all kinds of things like that. You just start your computer and then realize all your files are junk and now you got to reformat windows, you know, back in the day, that's how it started. And uh, from there, it, it started into, you know, money-making opportunities and then later ransomware and, and things like that. Um, <clears throat> it's not really how I would have thought everything would go. But anyway, you have the security industry, which is making a lot of money, and rightfully so. It's really hard work, and they deserve to make money for that hard work. But then when you have, like, the um, supply and demand situation, more threat actors means you need more security professionals, which means the security security industry ramps up, then the security industry or the threat actors ramp up in response. And then next thing you know, you have uh, applications being made on the black market for anybody to join in on the fun, but it's just not as fun. Like you're saying, it, it used to be like um, all these vulnerabilities were used and you know, lateral movement, which absolutely happens, but we're finding a lot of... Um, situations where it's just fishing and things like that. There's no actual effort put behind this. Um, other than tricking somebody else over the phone in order to get them to believe that you're from the IT tech support team, the, the effort there is minimal. So right. you call someone up, hey, I'm Bob from tech support. We need to deploy this tool to your computer because we had an alarm on our systems and we need to check what's happening. And the person just falls for it and deploys it. <laughs> On the 2K story, for example, and we'll get to the stories in a minute. Right. This is just background. On the 2K story, for example, um, they deployed the tool that was for sale on some hacking forum that was just a, a 
the password stealer, a basic level password stealer. They renamed it so that the people would fall for it as being from the 2K support team. And it got through, and it's amazing how the awareness around this stuff. And here it's not just about training your employees and training the people that work for you and your contractors and all of that. The amount of stories that have come out in the past months alone, even if you're not properly trained by your company, should have pinged something on your radar and made you aware of this issue. You shouldn't fall for schemes like that even if you were not told about them in your company, simply by watching the news, because this has been mainstream. This isn't just cybersecurity news related. You don't actually need to dig too far to get this to these stories. You'll find them on mainstream media. And here I'm sounding like an job about mainstream media. That's not what I meant. I meant media that, that not directly related to cybersecurity or computing. This makes the news. This makes CNN, for example. Right. And if it makes it that far out, and you're not aware of the issue and how it happens, then you're not really either trying or you're not just paying attention, and you should be. I mean, yeah. after a yeah. while, there's not much that you can be told about it that you can't get from the news around it. And it's weird. It, the whole situation is weird to me in many ways because one one question I have often is, why is your source code on the network? Why are your development machines, when you're developing your games, like why is lateral movement or whatever able to get the data? If it's offline, I, I know that's harder to develop because you, you need you know resources and things. I'm not, you know, I know how development works, but at the same time, I do feel like it's too easy where, you know, the source code and gameplay footage and things that these companies try to keep secret because they're not ready to release the information yet. The games aren't even like in the in the case of Grand Theft Auto, which we'll be getting to sh uh, shortly, that the latest game isn't even in a state where it can be presented. And I haven't seen the footage, but based on what I've read, it's not even in a state where, like, I don't even know how much of a trailer they can make with this because there's going to be like all kinds of uh, code on the screen and things like that. But why is that information just so like, readily available on systems that are connected to the internet? But also, I my personal opinion, and I don't, know how many people agree or disagree with me on this. If you use a computer as a tool for your job, I don't care if you're a computer person or not. You could be uh, someone who just uses a computer to check email and that's all you use it for, but you are using it for your job. Um, it is your responsibility to know what you should or shouldn't be able to do. Obviously, I would wish the company would train everybody and you know help them out. But if I go to a mechanic to get my car fixed and someone just walks in and drives my car away what like <laughs> like that doesn't make sense and there's no excuse for that but all of a sudden when it comes to computers um you know used in companies yeah that happens all the time i don't understand it like if you use a computer it's your responsibility to know what you should or shouldn't do now to be fair there are hacks that are very very like um they they look real and and obviously some of the biggest people out there have um, had become a victim. But at the same time, that doesn't happen very often. Usually it's the um, individual that didn't know any better. But in this case, we have three storylines in a short period of time. And I think um, Rockstar Games is going to be like the biggest um, story here because it's the one getting the most traction. And I think we should probably start with that one. However you prefer. <laughs> I mean, they're all so, equally sad, so... 
Yeah, you know, when it comes to Grand Theft Auto 6, it's been one of those, it's been a unicorn for a very long time. I'm personally not a fan of Grand Theft Auto. I've played it, but it's just not my thing. But I understand a lot of people love it. So um, obviously Grand Theft Auto 5 has been released for several different console generations and there hasn't been a new one yet. And um, now there's leaked footage. Now, none of that is an excuse. Just because a developer is taking a long time, that's no excuse to, you know, I don't want to wait. I want to know what they're doing right now. No, you can wait. It's fine. Um, and it's illegal to steal data, obviously. But um, essentially, again, my understanding, I haven't seen uh, the actual game that is being shown as part of this leak and they're scrubbing it off the internet, is that it's a pretty big deal that there's a lot of information out there about this leak or about the game that is being known by pretty much everyone and no one really had a right to know because it wasn't ready to be shown yet but here we are now they'll have another excuse to delay it further um but uh, yeah. beyond that uh, i mean this is an enterprise asset this is intellectual property this is very valuable property gta 5 made millions and millions of dollars for rockstar gta 6 will inevitably do the same or better if not for nothing else, just for the hype alone. Um, but yeah, this is very valuable property. And just as it could have happened to GTA, to Rockstar, and this is a game company, it could just as likely have happened to another company that has valuable IP, um, say a car manufacturers. Right. I mean, this this is on the same scale as if somebody tried to steal the, the algorithms for Tesla Autopilot, for example disregarding whatever state they may be in but it's the same kind of breach it's the same kind of risk it's the same kind of damage to the to the company um i mean and to further compound this the the hackers didn't exactly get very quiet about it they were on youtube uh, sorry on twitter just posting the the videos and posting links and just basically announcing a step-by-step of what they were doing and yeah <laughs> Right. Again, it wasn't the hardest hack in the world to pull, and such a low effort put into this that gives this type of results, it might just encourage other people to try the same stunt on other companies. I, I really hope Bethesda is paying very close attention to what's going on here because they are a target. I think anybody who knows games knows that Bethesda is obviously a target because they also have a game that, you know, we haven't seen footage of yet. Everybody wants to know what the next Elder Scrolls game is going to be like. So if I was them, I'd be very careful right about now. But anyway, um, with um, Rockstar, it was, and I have to have it right on my screen because I, I, I don't know why, this is like a tongue twister. Teapot Uber Hacker is the uh, handle apparently yeah. that was involved with this. And Rockstar claims that they're not going to delay the game at all. They're just going to keep going on as they're going. I don't know how that's possible because the company, obviously everybody has to work overtime to be ahead of this. My only theory is that maybe they uh, have their developers uh, obviously separated from anyone who's on the front lines trying to scrub the internet of the data or whatnot. So I hope they could keep it going. I wouldn't be surprised if it was delayed at some point in the future as a result of this. So if uh, the person that did this was really looking forward to that game, you're going to have to wait longer now and probably even longer if you're in jail because, you know, by then it'll 
the Grand Theft Auto 6 will be in all the bargain bins at all the game stops because it would have been out for uh, a bunch of years. And yeah, you can buy it for $1.99 at that point for uh, your retro Xbox One or something, um, which will be retro by that time. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen um, there, but the person, we, as I understand it, went dark and just went off the internet, apparently. Uh, this is the same person that claims the, to be behind the, the, the Uber hacker, the Uber hacker, just last week. And we'll discuss that one as well. Yep. Um, and there are two things that, two different things that uh, that can be the result of this hack on Rock, on uh, Rockstar. There's the footage, about 90 minutes of development footage, which includes just the development tools and all the information, debug information, all of that. I've skimmed a few of the videos, and that's what it is. It doesn't look half bad, by the way. I, there are lots of people complaining about that. For the state that it's in, it doesn't look half bad. Um, and then there's source code. Apparently, the person is claiming that he has the source code for the game in the right. current state, obviously. Yep. And that's riskier than just having videos of leaked development footage. They can easily change the assets so that it doesn't matter if the, the leaked information is real or not. At this point, they can change it until it's released. Um, but the source code, that's a bit more dangerous. And the person claims to have right. the source code both for GTA 5 and GTA 6. And <laughs> there's so many different releases of Grand Theft Auto 5. I'm kidding, of course, but yeah, yeah but GTA 5 is still making a lot of money on the online right. side. And if you have the source code for that, it's not impossible to craft uh, exploits and mods for that. Mm -hmm. um, and having the source code just makes it easier to, to do that. Yeah, it, it absolutely uh, a, rather, a rather large aside right now. Um, the difference in risk between having access to the source code and not having access to the source code when you're trying to find bugs in code is basically twofold. First, you have to reverse engineer the code, disassemble it. And then because you only have the compiled version, you lose all the symbols, you lose all the comments in the code, and you lose the context of what's happening in the code. So it makes it harder for a hacker to actually step through the code. And we're talking millions and millions of lines for something like GTA. And it makes it very hard to, to step through all the code and identify the functions and all that. If you had, say, if, if this was an open source thing and you had the source of code available, to find holes in that, it's much easier than if it is just the, the binary version. And, and this is why I called it a, a rather large uh, tangent here. Um, one of the, the misconceptions about open source is that it's inherently more secure than closed source. Well, right. not exactly. If you have the source code available, anyone looking at, um, at possible bugs in the code that can be exploited has an easier path to finding them. Um, it doesn't mean that there are no bugs on the closed source one. It's just easier to locate them in the open source version. Right. And that can be something good. Or if you're a malicious actor, it can be something bad. Um, and the thing is, when we hear about all the vulnerabilities that come out and all the CVEs that come out daily and all of that around open source stuff, that is just when somebody found a bug and reported it properly. There, there is no guarantee that from the time that the code made it to the code base until the CVE was divulged, that somebody else didn't find that bug and exploited it or sold it on one of these hacking forums or something like that. There is absolutely no guarantee. And if somebody tried to exploit that before it was made public, 
none of the security tools will even stop the, the attack because there are no signatures, there are no indicators of compromise, there is no, nothing that you can look for to prevent something that you don't know exists. So right. there isn't m many ways to be aware of a bug that hasn't been announced yet publicly. And some people say, oh, but it was divulged by this person and he's very good, uh, he's a really good security research and he's credible and all that. Sure. But do you, and this is hard to conceptualize, but it's very hard to be the first one to, to find something all over the world. There are millions of people with the know-how on how to read code and how to find security issues and all of that. And to think that only that person that reported the bug was the one that found it first, that nobody else had looked at the code and found that bug before, that's a very big leap of faith that you're taking there. Right. So, Sorry for the tangent, but... No, it's um, a good one, actually, because so, yeah. what I think is, you know, when it comes to open source, and I'll tie this right back into Grand Theft Auto in a moment, but like you were saying, being open source doesn't make it more secure. It means that it has the potential of being more secure, but just being open source, like you said, doesn't really mean anything because open source does not mean good code quality. As a developer, your code isn't better because it's open source. Whether you close it or open it, the code is the same. It's being written by you. And the quality of that code is as good as your ability to write that code. But being open source means that anybody can audit the source anytime they want. Doesn't mean anyone will. Maybe Everybody means to get to it at some point, but they never get around to checking it, or maybe everyone, everybody checks it. But then when it's open source, if you have a, a vulnerability, you can look at the news around an open source vulnerability and a closed source vulnerability and see the difference. Because the open source vulnerability that's discovered, you'll have someone who's just detailing the lines of code. Here's a sample um, program that'll say, hello world, if you have the... Uh, if you're affected by it or something, and then they'll just break it down in a very long report. Or if it's closed source, yeah, a thing happened, there's a patch for the thing, go install the thing. And that, literally that that's how it the difference usually is. But then the open source mentality, I feel like is going to become the norm everywhere eventually. It's going to take a very long time. You have, for example, early access games. Not every developer does this, but some do. And I think this is fun when they... Um, announce, hey, we have a game that we're making. It's totally not done yet. In fact, it's an alpha and it's a complete mess. But if you want to check it out and follow the development of this game from, you know, as we're developing it, some people really like that. At that point, how do you leak footage for a game that is being shown as it's being developed? I think that's really cool. It gets people into computer science that may not have known that they had an interest in that. It lets people see what could become their favorite game when it's done be developed may you know i'm not saying that you know shame on rockstar for not being open source and shame on them for not doing early access it's not like that they made the decision that they don't want it shown it's their intellectual property they have a right to uh show it or not to show it but i do feel that early access games you know are going to become more popular obviously a lot of developers really don't want anything to do with that but it's really hard to leak footage from something that's being shown in the public. And um, with Grand Theft Auto 6, with uh, Rockstar Games, I, I, I mean, it, this kind of thing happens. I would love to tell you that these things are, a, a you know, this massively Hollywood-style 
um, hacker movie come true kind of thing. But none of these stories are that we're talking about today. They're actually kind of not all that impressive, but they are damaging to the companies. Yeah, they're very pedestrian. Sorry, they're very pedestrian. Um, the one from for Rockstar, it's apparently somebody got credentials for their Slack channel or somehow got into their Slack channel and the videos were just posted there. Probably some development uh, channel that was there for Rockstar. They were sharing uh, development build, uh, development uh, videos between themselves. And as soon as somebody managed to get into the channel, he could download the, the videos. Um, I mean, if you're operating under the impression that that's... Uh, a closed company only um, platform. You're not expecting somebody else to be there looking at the, the content. So you're mostly free to, to divulge the information. It's supposed to remain classified. And when you start working for Rockstar, you'll sign a pile of NDAs probably this high. So yeah, you're allowed to see that. You're not allowed to share it. So you assume everybody who's working with you is the same. But all it takes is for yeah. somebody to lose their credentials and somebody else having access to them. And apparently right. that's the, the hack. The whole hack this, in this situation was just that getting somebody's Slack credentials. And so, so then one question is, how does this happen? How, how did this happen? Now, we can get into details as, as we receive them about how in particular it happened. But I'm going to speak in a more general sense. And this is something that I've noticed. The bigger a company gets, the harder it is to secure the company. So if you have a small company, obviously they can make a mistake too and, and have their information posted all over the internet. But a smaller company, there's more eyes on what each other is doing. You know, everybody knows that everybody's doing. If there's only like 15 employees, but the more you have, the harder it is to secure. So you'll have a salesperson, hypothetically, I'm just going to say for Acme, a game company I just made up, gets a phone call from a salesperson. Salesperson is from Slack and says, hey, we have a paid Slack program. It's like what all the companies are using. You should use it too. And they call the right person in the company. Yeah, let's sign up for that. And they think it's great. It's going to increase communication between teams. They'll probably talk about how it's going to get rid of silos, all those things I've heard before. And maybe some of those things are true. It, it is a communication platform. So if it doesn't increase communication, then it's not doing its uh, primary purpose right. So then you have upper level managers that assume that the developers that do all that crazy computer hacky stuff, they know not to put that stuff on, on Slack. And, and yeah, they sign papers that they probably have not only signed, but they read to the point that they can recite every single thing. Sure, they, they could do that. Everything's fine, right? Well, the problem is, the bigger the company gets, the less one hand or the left hand knows what the right is doing. Everybody assumes everyone else is doing the right thing. Everybody assumes that Slack is okay because Slack has it figured out and the developers wouldn't post anything on there because they signed the paperwork and we don't need to check on them because they know what they're doing. And then this happens because everybody assumes that everybody else is doing the right thing and nobody is double checking finding out what they're doing. I don't know if there's external audits or anything like that. But, you know, I understand assuming the best intentions. I'm not necessarily saying that any of this happened with Rockstar, but this is kind of like your average uh, big company and how that usually breaks down. Yeah, but sure, and I get that point. But in this case, Slack didn't do anything wrong. Rockstar no. didn't do anything wrong. Somebody just misplaced their credentials or trusted somebody else with, their, with right. those credentials. So you cannot protect against the users. 
and right. I was going to say something nastier there. But no, you're right. <laughs> you, you might you right. might have all the best policies in place. You might have all the best tools in place. If the user shares this password with somebody else, what are you going to do? Um, right. You can harden all the security you want. You can get two-factor authentication in, and you should. Uh, you can get hardware keys and all of that. But if that person shares it with somebody else, I mean, that's game over. <laughs> There's no amount of policy that can fix it. Um, oh, you're completely right. And I don't mean to make it out to sound like the company is to blame. I feel like everybody has a role. The biggest role is the person that decided to get the data or attempt to get the data. In this case, they did. Um, if they didn't do that, then none of this would happen. We wouldn't even be talking about it. Um, so obviously it's their fault. But at the same time, I do feel that there's companies that, you know, this is why we have the podcast, because we want to help people understand what are some of the things that you can do to, to make it less likely to happen to you? It could still happen to you, let's be honest. But um, sometimes as companies get larger, it, they have to focus harder on understanding what people are doing. But like you said, if a password gets leaked, a password gets leaked, and there's really nothing anyone can do about that. Yeah. So, yeah. Fun stuff. And related to this one the, and before we get to the 2k one um, mm -hmm. this is the same person that uh, apparently did the, the uber one and uh, yeah we can probably move on to the uber one um in the uber one what was compromised was again to factor authentication and some some of the, some employee allowed somebody else to enter his computer and trusted the two-factor authentication request that came in because he was contacted by phone by somebody impersonating support. Um, and the thing is, after the, the hacker got into that uh, computer, he could access network shares. And on those network shares, the, apparently, there was a PowerShell script that had the admin credentials written inside of it. Oh, gosh. Um, OK, so pro, pro tip right here. Um, if you're writing scripts that need the root credentials or administrator credentials or whatever, ask for the credentials each, each time it's run. Or there are other tools to impersonate users. Don't write the credentials inside of the script, please. <laughs> please. So yeah. yeah, having those credentials, the, the hacker then proceeded to exploit the online services and all of that because everything was tied through that account. And all hell went loose yeah so here we are again where we had uh, you know lapsus at one moment and now we have uh the teapot person which i can never seem to remember that teapot uber um again i have to pull it up because teapot, teapot uber, uber hacker yeah because i can't remember it um so yeah uber was a victim and then we literally just found out today about 2k because it was uh Probably right, it was right before recording time. I'm just browsing the news looking for anything that might have happened, and I found 2K Games. They ended up uh, having some a situation as well. I know less about them personally because of how recent this actually is. It hasn't even been a day yet because usually we'll have <laughs> we'll have at least a day to kind of look into things, but um, in our industry, it's probably going to happen less and less that we'll get any time to um, you know familiarize ourselves with it, but. Um, 2K Games, which, um, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure they're over the Borderlands franchise. Is that yeah. correct? They're the Borderlands, and they have some other very big names there. So Tiny buy Tina a shot. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we could get into that a little bit. But, um, again, that's really – all of this is developing, but, but especially that one, because that one um, – 
was apparently due to a help desk vendor that uh, helped an individual get into their network. And that's very common in, in companies because there's going to be vendors. That, that's why there's a purchasing department that handles POs and there's contracts. Uh, they have, there's a department for that because companies utilize the assistance and, you know, of other companies collaborate with other companies or just want a turnkey solution for something internal, which is okay because yeah, that's just how it goes. You can't develop your own help desk software. You might be able to, but that's going to take your time away from whatever your primary export is if it's not developing a help desk system. So um, that's my understanding of what happened here. So um, I'm just um, scrolling through. There, there, are, there are a few more. There are a few more wrinkles yeah. to that to this one. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, they man the, the attacker managed to host a file on on Zendesk, and Zendesk is a support uh, support ticketing platform, um, and uh, apparently 2K uses that internally, so they have a domain inside of Zendesk. Um, and somebody managed to host a file inside of it and then trick an employee to download the zip file that contained that password logger that I mentioned before. Um, and the file was being downloaded from the correct address. It was being downloaded from 2K support at Zendesk. So at first glimpse, you wouldn't look at the, the URL and find it uh, weird or find it coming from an untrusted location. Um, so somebody just called an employee and told him, okay, when there is an issue with your computer, we need to fix it. You need to download this file. The URL appears okay. So you, you downloaded the file and that gave them control. Um, again, from the hacking side of things, this is social, social engineering. You're tricking people into doing what you want them to do. This is what Kevin Mitnick did like 30 years ago, something like that, <laughs> 25 years ago. Um, tricking people over the phone to get them to reveal credentials, tricking people over the phone to get them to enter a website where they enter their information, all of that. That's the kind of things that you talk about on your security training sessions with your employees. Those are the things that should be in your security manual when you onboard someone. And they probably are, but people don't pay attention. People don't read it as attentively as they should. They don't forget it five minutes after reading it or listening to somebody saying it. But like I said before, this has been in the news so many times. It's always on repeat. It's always the same story. And companies are brought low by incidents caused by this type of situation so often that at this point, saying that you're tricked into this because you didn't know this was a risk or that this was something that could have happened, that won't fly. That excuse no longer makes any sense. If you try to excuse yourself, oh, I didn't realize he wasn't from support, I didn't, uh, you should have checked. You should have at least go to the company roster and see if there was somebody there. And you call that person. You have that information internally. You call that person, that person doesn't call you so that you're the one initiating the contact. Um, yeah. Again, don't just trust random requests over the phone, even if they look legit. The, the amount of times that you'll get scammed, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, like every other day. It's. It's incredible how this continues to happen. It really is. Um, you know, in speaking of trust, generally speaking, you know, you would think, or people often think, you would know better, so I shouldn't say you would think, but people often think that security firms know better. And in this case, you know, you know, in terms of uh, Uber's hack, it was part of it was the uh, Hacker One service, which when I Googled that, because um, I haven't actually heard of it until the article, 
it's apparently the number one trusted security platform and hacker program and <laughs> vulnerability reports were taken. Now, that's an example of something obvious that even I didn't think of that I should have thought of. I mean, well, I mean, at the time I have security audits done, I always think we need to lock the results in the vault. But, you know, I should have it should have occurred to me. Yeah, eventually in the news, we're going to hear about uh, vulnerability reports being used because source code is pretty damaging to get a hold of, obviously. But um, a vulnerability report, that's kind of a walk in the park at that point. You know, all the openings, all the vulnerabilities that the company um, is open to. And with that information, you could, you know, the company wants to use that information to better their security, but then someone on the outside could take advantage of that information fairly easily. And, um, you know, that's another thing you have to keep in mind when, and I think we're going to talk about this a lot, when you're using third-party services, it doesn't have to be for security. It could be for anything. Even if you think it's something that really doesn't matter much, like maybe something that manages your WordPress site and it, it has no access to anything, but then they find lateral movement. I mean, you really have to trust your vendors and their security and everything. And and now um, I'd be curious what Hacker One has to say about the um, allegations that uh, a report that um, Uber had from their systems utilizing that service was leaked out to the, the individual that uh, caused this to happen. Apparently, they got the credentials to HackerOne as well. They got, oh, they got Uber's credentials word. to HackerOne. So, again, it's not so much a hack. It's not some exploit that was found or something like that. They just got the credentials and entered and went into HackerOne and chain. they started commenting on all the security issues on HackerOne that Uber had, all the security reports that they had there. They started commenting, hey, this account was hacked and this is the hacker and so on and so on. <laughs> Last week, we talked about firing Patreon's security team um, right. and the bad press that they got over that. The bad press that these companies are getting over these security incidents, it's more or less on the same level. So It is, yeah. If for no other reason, cybersecurity incidents are expensive to companies because of the bad press that you get. How are you going to trust GTA, uh, sorry, Rockstar, with your payment information when you re register an account for the online service if they can't even protect their own source code. Right. I oh, mean, you're 100% right. I mean... The, the trust level here, it's suddenly dropped very low. Yeah, I mean, people used to say bad publicity is good publicity. No, no. Um, it can be for, like, content producers, but is, there's there's a lot of people where that's not true, and that's not true here. That That's actually quite costly in this case. Shareholders will not like it very much. Oh, especially not them. And then someone in, in our chat room mentioned uh, American Airlines uh, got hacked as well. And I, I really think at some point we'll have to make a small pivot because in this episode we have a number of different things to touch on. But given that none of them are super like exciting <laughs> sometimes i think we're just gonna have to choose the most um exciting one in the future because there's probably going to be a bunch i hope that's not the way it's going to be but i think you and i both know is i mean things really in never get better as long as you're just exploiting the human factor here it's not going to be high tech you're not going to need lots of specialized software and handcrafted tools to exploit the, and something you're just tricking people into giving you what you need. That's all there is here. So yeah, you need to up the awareness inside about security at your company. You need to do more training. You need to do all of those things. But 
again, if at this point in time your employees still don't realize that the risk that this is, no amount of security training is going to fix that. And you probably should just start looking for new people. I know that's very harsh and all of that, but I mean, seriously, this is the oldest trick in the book. This is literally the oldest trick in the hacking book. This is how oh, it, it all really started. Is. It really is. And I feel, depending on the type of situation, um, should you find new people? Yeah, maybe, because they, you know the people on the front lines just gave away information that's never good. Some of these hacks are very convincing. Obviously, there's no excuse, but at the same time, education is key. I think that's uh, one of the reasons why we do what we do is because we want to educate and inform and let people know. And and hopefully, um, it, it's my hope personally that there's a company out there that might have been blown wide open, but wasn't because of something we said kind of, oh, yeah, we need to take this seriously. Maybe they did. Um, that That's my hope. But then again, there's... Uh, some of these situations where there's actually most where the hack isn't very technical at all. Maybe they just bought something turnkey, you know, 1995, buy this thing and, you know, get into whatever network or, or something. Um, I hope the jail time was worth, worth it because one thing that I do feel is the case is that the more you learn about security and IT and tech and all of that, the more you understand how the odds are against you in getting away with it. And if you do get away with it, let's say someone out there has, you know, hacks something, they get into a system and they never go to jail. Why? It wasn't a big deal. Maybe it's a very low profile hack and the number of subpoenas that it would take to find who they are would be more expensive than the loss the company faced if it's just a small situation. If it's a big situation, you better bet that the cost of the subpoenas are fully covered. However many are necessary to get to the other side, they will absolutely keep going. It might take a week, a year, two years. I don't know. I'm just making up numbers. But eventually, the way the technology works, there, you know, VPN is advertised as being perfect security where you can do whatever you want behind the VPN and no, nobody will ever know. Uh, Tor and all those other things. There's always metadata leaks and things that will point to the person. Um, even if there isn't and the technology was perfect, one thing that's not perfect is TCP IP. And anyone who learns that knows for sure that networking is not perfect and has many, many flaws. That's why packets are constantly retransmitted. And all it takes is that VPN connection to let some packets through outside of the VPN if the connection has a hiccup or something and you're busted just that easy. And um, it's interesting how these people, you could tell that they're new because it's like at the very beginning, you think you can get away with things. You find out the hard way that you can't. And then maybe in the future, if you turn to the good side, you'll just be like a security um, analyst that'll help companies avoid people like you used to be when you were younger. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so you mentioned the American Airlines. Um, Somebody mentioned this as well in the in the chat, and it's true here in Portugal. The the flagship airline company TAP, um, they also got hacked, and oh, wow. they were on cleanup duty. And apparently, a week afterwards, there was a new ransomware infection, so they got reinfected again, and they're still dealing with the aftermath. Um, yeah, 
it just keeps on happening. And another thing, and this is a pro-criminal tip, and I'm stealing this from the level on text. Um, mm. Pro-criminal tips, don't go to Twitter and brag about what you're doing. Uh, Twitter will inevitably sell your information to the authorities. And by sell, I mean, please take the information. It's here. We want nothing to do with this. Um, you shouldn't be bragging. This is what got lapses uh, caught in the first place a few months back. And this is what will get this guy caught in not that long. Um, you shouldn't brag about something like this. If you want to do something like this, get information, try to get your ransom paid, and then go quietly into the night. <laughs> Don't do this this way. You'll just attract attention, and that's the last thing you want to do. Yeah, and it's interesting about, you know, if you ever watch these TV shows that um, go through, like, detectives in real life that uh, solve a crime, and I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, technology here. Well, technology is used, obviously, but just generic crimes of any kind. It, usually the episode ends with somebody bragging almost every time. And it's not just, you know, it, threat, threat actors here. I mean, we're talking, like, anybody out there, a bank robber, for example, um, five years later, some number of years later, oh, I, yeah, I got a bunch of money and it was no problem. Oops, yeah, somebody heard you talk about that. And uh, right, to your point, pro tip, keep your mouth shut. But at the same time, human nature is human nature, they won't. And they're going to keep thinking that next time will be different or this time is not going to be like the other person that got um, you know, caught because I'm better than they are. No, you're not. Don't even think for a minute that you are because you're not. On lapses, I believe we did this this bet that it would take like a month or so for them to be caught, and it was less than that. I'm going for a month on this one as again as well. Right. Um, yeah. Let's see where this lands. But again, very low effort hacks. It wasn't really that technically advanced or technically specific stuff. It was just hacking the people basically. You're tricking people into giving you what you want, what you need to access the systems. It's low effort. The most advanced thing that these guys used was the password stealer that they got deployed on the Zendesk server. And other than that, just convincing people. Yeah. I mean, why don't these people just just create a YouTube channel if they want to do pranks and trick people into things? Because at least then, as long as they're, they're not hurting anybody, um, I'm not a fan of that kind of content. But, you know, that, that actually uh, might might go okay. But anything... You know, when it comes to tricking people into giving you access to things, that's not going to go well. You're just not going to get away with it. So, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it right now. I I feel like there's a a shift and there's going to be more of this. Um, I think that's obvious. A big duh moment. Of course, there's going to be more of this. Um, but we'll be right here to talk about it as it comes, and we'll be continuing to follow these stories. And if there's other details, and obviously there will be, there's also going to be more details, I'm sure, about uh, Patreon uh, at some point or another. So we'll have to revisit these and kind of yeah. go back. And I think it'd be fun to have a retrospective, um, you know, maybe at the end of the year or another time about the things that we talked about earlier you know, what were the, what was the end result of everything and, and kind of see where everything I landed. think it will probably be sooner than the end of the year. The, yeah. Both the Patreon story and this three hacks, we'll hear more about this shortly, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, and we'll have more information about this. Yep. And I guess we can close it, <laughs> you can close it right here. Um, yep. Thanks everybody for joining it again. It was a pleasure and Pleasure being here with you again, Jay. And until the yep. next one. Thanks, Absolutely. everybody. A lot of fun. Thanks for listening and watching. Okay. Bye.